0: Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go.
1: Yeah. Tweak. That's the nothing personal word of the day for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. And it's a double entendre Tuesday. When we tell you that a player has tweaked his knee or tweaked his shoulder, or you go to somebody in your rec league and say, oh, I can't play. I tweaked my ankle. It's really code word for, yeah, I just can't play either. I can't play cause I'm hurt. I can't play cause I don't want to hurt. I don't want to play. Tweaking is not a medical term. I never heard our team doctor ever say to me, call me up at the end of a game. Hey, I just saw your guy. Yeah. He tweaked his knee. What? What what does that mean? How many days does that mean? It's not really how doctors talk. They sprained it, broke it, tore it, strained it, tore it, strained it. Did I say strain more than once? Tweak is what you do when you want to change something a little bit. I want to tweak a rule. It means I want to keep the general rule in place, but I just want to do a teeny tiny tweak. It's like it won't even you won't even notice. This has been in my head since Adam Silver first announced his new plan. The 65-game load management plan. At the time, I must tell you, I am not afraid to admit when I'm wrong or when I'm not informed totally on issues. Because who could be completely informed? Plenty of people who have a microphone claim they're fully informed on everything. And in fact, they barely know a little about anything. When Adam Silver announced the 65 game minimum to be all NBA or to be MVP, I did a segment, I said, you know what, as an owner, as a player, you want to be ready for the playoffs, load management is not going to go away because of this. You're not going to incentivize a player to play who's got a tweaked knee. And I had not properly considered the John Morant and other players whose take home pay can be altered by their postseason awards. Much like what Major League Baseball did with its pre arbitration pool, that was almost a $5 fine. Much like what made, ready, here we go. We got this Coca, Four, eight, 69. Much like what Major League Baseball did with its pre-arbitration pool, where players, if they are rookies, first years, second years, pre r players, and they finish with, at rookie of the year or top three, Cy Young or MVP, they get a bonus that is a percentage of that $50 million pool. So incentives, in theory, that was done to get players paid more money when they were younger and to get teams to call up players faster because that was a complaint of the union. When the broadcasters complain that a Saturday night game happens and Joel Embiid is not playing, and it happens all the time when teams come to cities and they're not playing their number one, number two, three, four guys, they're resting at the second end of a back-to-back, Adam Silver said, I got a plan and the plan is we're gonna stop you from being an all NBA and being named an MVP. And then I learned about how super max amounts are paid or sometimes first maxes are paid and what the number can be for a guy in his rookie contract. Who's then signing a quote unquote max extension. I learned that there are tens of millions of dollars at stake. When you put money at stake for a player. You better make sure that you have covered all your bases. The reason I'm worked up about this is the rule as it stands now is going to cost Joel Embiid a chance to be an all NBA or to be an MVP because he is missing games due to knee soreness may have tweaked his knee. He's missed about 12 games so far this year. I think he's played a total of 33 games you can miss 17 and still be at 65 that's 82 minus 65 so he is well on his way to missing more than 17 in theory joel Embiid's contract doesn't expire for another couple of years so this may not impact him but it got me thinking about a tweak so dear evan hansen i would like you to consider the following tweak to the 65 game rule. If a player misses five games in a row, I would like there to be a provision where the total number of games that counts towards your 65 or toward the 17 that you can miss is zero. Meaning anytime you miss five or more games in a row, you actually get credited with missing zero games. Why? because when you miss five games in a row, you are not being held back for load management, you're hurt. You're not being saved for the playoffs, you're hurt. There is no GM, there's no team, there's no analytics department, there's no player who wants a full week off at any point during the regular season, or sometimes five games in eight days, five games in seven days, whatever the case may be, Too many. Back end of a back-to-back, in. Fourth game in five nights, I'm in. Long day of travel, tired across time zones, I'm in. General body fatigue, I'm in. A slight tweak of your gluteus maximus, all right, I'm in. That doesn't last five games. So how would that realistically look? You would say, all right, Joel Embiid is going to miss his fifth straight game, or he missed it against Portland. I think he's missed five in a row. It's as though he hadn't missed any games. If he plays the next game and then sits out the game after, he will have missed five out of six. But if he misses the game after missing five in a row, that would count as a load management game, unless he misses another five games in a row. Is that clear, Harvey Mudd? The reason why I think Adam Silver is going to tweak this is that the union now has to pay attention to the reality of players, whether it's Joel Embiid, whether it's Luka Doncic, who's played 40 games. Even Giannis has played 45 or LeBron 43, whatever the case is. When there are super max deals or rookie extension max deals, where the calculus depends on Postseason honors, the union has to stand up and say, wow, we missed this. We missed this because we thought all the league was trying to do was solve for broadcast deals and load management. But in fact, what the league was trying to do, and this is me being a little cynical and let me explain why. In fact, what the league was trying to do was hold down max deals. Is that possible? Would leagues ever... Pull a bait and switch on a player's union during the course of a collective bargaining negotiation. I have three words for you. Debt service rule. The debt service rule was put in place as a salary cap. It was said to the union back in the day by Major League Baseball, that we want to put this debt service rule in because teams are losing money. We want teams to be financially healthy. We need them to have availability to the capital markets. With negative EBITDA, they don't have availability. Therefore, we really need, which is untrue, because we had negative EBITDA every month, The and we had plenty of availability with capital markets. Not that you want to avail yourself of all of your credit, like you in your personal life. You could always borrow more money. At some point, you say, ooh, that's going to be too much debt service my annual nut will be too big. Hard to imagine. Not too frequent, just too big. The debt service rule, which states that you can only have a certain amount of debt. It's a multiple of your EBITDA. So if you have negative EBITDA, in theory, you only are allowed the minimum amount of debt. In order to have positive EBITDA, you have to actually run, in theory, a profitable team, at least in the books. And if you're gonna run a profitable team, you may have to cut expenses. And the best way to cut expenses is not to fire the assistant to the traveling secretary or the manager of marketing. It's to get rid of players. It's to lower your payroll. The union had no idea that's how the debt service rule was gonna be used. So I believe that it is not just possible, but that it's likely that the National Basketball Association did this entire load management situation as a way to potentially quash what super max deals could be. And I think the union now knows. And I believe that there will be tweaks to this rule. So unlike, and I don't mean to impugn anybody. Yeah, I sort of do. Unlike the gas bags out there, I'll put my reputation where my mouth is. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, I'll revisit it and tell you. If it doesn't, I'll revisit it and tell you I was wrong. And I'm not going to say wait to see tomorrow's Wednesday. That's not fair. Some of my wait to see's are gimme's actually not like day of the week though. Wait to see. There will be a tweak to the 65 game minimum rule. And that tweak will come either in this interim period while there's a CBA or in the next CBA. So this is going to be a long one, but luckily we have a document on davidsampsonpodcast.com where you can see all the way to sees all the pics of the day, all the words of the day, all of the movies that we review. I don't know if you can see the word of the day. I actually can't remember if that. Coke, is that on the document? Word of the day? Maybe. Maybe not. Either way, the official way to see is the 65 game... Minimum rule will be tweaked. Wait to see. Okay. Speaking of picks of the day, nothing personal pick of the day, soon to be brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Waiting for Coca to sign on the dotted line. Waiting for Coke and I to be in the same place at the same time. I wonder if we'll have any other DraftKings-related news coming up. That'd be interesting if we did. What would be that related news? Hmm. We had the Nuggets four and a half over the Bucks. Nuggets won by six. We're back to 500. I do not want to be below 500 again. Doc Rivers debuted in a job that he wouldn't wish on his worst enemy. Of course, he took the job. I like that. No one wants this job. I'll do it. It's like sitting in the back seat in the middle on the bump or sitting in that bus in the old yellow school buses above the wheel so your knees were at your chest I would always sit at those seats cuz my knees were never at my chest I actually liked my feet being able to touch the floor that's why I like the hump in the middle of the back seat and I like the hump above the wheel in the yellow bus if you know you know Tonight we've got the Celtics giving a touchdown to the Pacers in Boston How's how's Pascal doing as a Pacer? How have the Pacers done with him? Have they done well? Everything good? Although Hal Burton's been hurt. We're taking the Celtics, Doc Rivers' old team over Larry Bird's old team. Celtics minus seven over the Pacers. All right, I wanna switch to the Super Bowl. We didn't talk enough about Lake Las Vegas yesterday. Viva Lake Las Vegas. How funny is that? All these players, families. Everyone all excited to be at Bellagio, the players, the staff. Welcome to Lake Las Vegas. Hey, want to go to dinner on the Strip. All right, that'll be a 40-minute Uber ride. I want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit because they've got some off-the-field issues they need to deal with, and I don't mean trying to get Taylor Swift from Tokyo to Vegas because that's not their problem. Believe me, they're not sending a jet to get Taylor Swift. Goodell may, but the Chiefs aren't. The Chiefs have to deal with the Tony situation, and I touched on it with a glancing blow yesterday on Nothing Personal. You can go back to regular episode 978, but it was a passing thought. But I need to revisit it because I listened to the tape of Tony's Instagram Live, and then I listened to Andy Reid talk about it, and I realized, yikes, This is the exact type of distraction that you don't want heading into a Super Bowl. You wanna really minimize it. So here's the backstory. Tony was inactive and the Chiefs said he was hurt. Tony said he wasn't hurt. No one used that exact language. But then Andy Reid in an interview said, there were no erroneous injury reports filed regarding Kadarius Tony. He's been on the injury report So that part is not made up by any means. While Tony claims his hip's fine, his ankle's fine, everything's good, I'm not hurt, it's all a lie. Why does Andy Reid have to go public? Because one of the things that the NFL is worried about, let me say it a better way, ready? Four, eight, six, nine. The main thing the NFL is worried about is gambling and integrity. And one of the things that is important to the National Football League, as it seeks this layer of non-WWE integrity is the injury report. Who's playing, who's not playing? We like it in basketball. We hate to see that Embiid's not an injury report and then he doesn't play. Baseball now says, hey, you have to announce your starting pitchers and you have to submit your lineups to us and we'll publicly disclose the lineups All of it is gambling related. But in the NFL, where the amount of money gambled on NFL games is a multiple, a huge multiple of that which is spent on the other leagues, even when there's no NFL games being played. It's like people take a break sometimes. Though betting on baseball is super fun, as you'll see once we start picking baseball games, which we get to do really soon because spring training betting, nothing like it. The NFL injury reports are like sacred. Because lines depend on it. People are looking at it, not just for fantasy, I'm talking for reality. And so when a player is questioning his existence on the injury report and the team doubles down saying, no, no, he's on that injury report because he's injured, not because of discipline, not because we want him inactive. The NFL has to make sure that the team is telling the truth and the team as part of its evidence. When called on by the league, the way the chiefs were certainly called on by the commissioner's office is they say, of course he was hurt. Hey, Andy, in your next interview, we're going to need you to bring this up and say that Tony is actually hurt, that he's actually on the injury report because he's actually hurt because in theory, you could put someone on the injury report as doubtful and then say, oh, it was just a tweak. He's totally fine. And then he plays, and that could have an impact. I wonder what the next Super Bowl story is gonna be with the Niners. They gotta come up with some good stories. They've come up with a ticket price story. That's a good one. They get in price. Most expensive ticket would have been even bigger with the Lions. I like I like when leagues say that. Hey, our our, our game is so popular. But if the Lions had been there because of their story and the way their secondary market works, those people would have traveled to Vegas, although it's much closer to San Francisco than it is to Detroit. But that said, here's a little hint on markets for tickets. If you're willing to wait, the prices go down. The reason why they're so high right now is that people who don't wanna fly to Vegas and take the chance, although Vegas is the type of city It's not like going to Indy. I'm sorry, I don't mean to say anything about Indy or Cleveland or St. Louis or Milwaukee or Pittsburgh or San Fran or New York. I had to put all those cities in so no one got upset. I can't believe I'm now that guy. I don't wanna upset anybody. All right, how about this? We're like it, not even measurable in Idaho. So imagine Idaho as a Super Bowl. You're not making a plan to go to Idaho without tickets to the game, because if you don't go to the game, what are you gonna do? Notwithstanding the great biking and the great hiking and how absolutely gorgeous it is. All right, are you happy, 0.1%? Vegas, make your plan, go to Vegas, knock yourself out. You don't get tickets to the game because it's too much or you lose at the tables. Maybe you'll win at the tables and then have money to buy better seats. Maybe you'll lose at the tables and then sell your tickets. Maybe you'll lose at the tables and not buy your tickets, but either way, you'll get some good meals And you'll be in vegas you could even stay in lake vegas or henderson or you could go to the grand canyon there's so much to do i don't think it's necessary to buy the tickets at these prices not yet so i think that's the story that they've come up with how exciting everyone should be then of course they're going to have the announcements of the nfc championship and afc championship viewers 50 million plus records, best in a decade. That carries the news for a day. Then we'll get into the travel. You'll get pictures of the players deplaning in Vegas. Then you'll get media day and you'll see the little kid doing the interviews and there'll be some good stories. Then you'll wait because half the media who staying at the Luxor is gonna be monitoring the police radio, waiting to see who the first player team official is who's arrested. Then you'll see the buses of escorts being brought in. That'll be be good news, good stories. Then you'll get to the X's and O's. We'll start doing predictions. And then two weeks later, you'll get picks and a kickoff. And of course, there's nothing better than the commercial kickoff, commercial touchback. It's very exciting. How is the NFL not changing that? Only because they don't want kickoff returns because of concussions? If you really don't want kickoff returns, then why do you have kickoffs? I, I'm definitely not the first to have said this, but I really mean it. Just start the ball on the 20. It doesn't need to be the 25, especially with the way you're calling defensive penalties. Oh, I know you love offense, but just start. by the way, start at the 40, you want offense so badly. That's my new thing. How about if there's no kickoffs and it's first and 10 at the 30? Everybody. Oh, but we need those commercials. Just, I'm fine with an extra commercial during a break. Extend the breaks. The, the, the networks do this. Do you like this new thing they do? We'll time out, we'll be back in 30. And then they do split screens. You can watch the State Farm, but you can see what's going on as the quarterback has all the 10 people spraying water in their face masks so they can get a quick drink. Toweling off, getting their hoods put on them when it's cold. Yet we're watching the State Farm commercial and then we're back in 30. Speaking (laughs) of back in 30, are we, what is our break? I don't know, when we come back, we are going to review a movie I watched yesterday that just came out on Netflix. It is a great documentary, can't wait to talk about it. And then as we are two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting, two weeks, that's it. Do you know that we are under two months from a regular season game. Now you're thinking that March 31st is the opening day, so it's over two months. And I'm gonna tell you, Korea baby, Dodgers Padres, March 20, March 21, 6 a.m. There's gonna be split screen action during those games. Those days on nothing personal. Game started at 6 a.m. All right, Coco now. All right, fine, we'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467 467- 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?
1: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca as we eagerly wait the results of all of your voting for the Sports Podcast Awards. When do we get the answer to that? I think it's in the first few days of February, whether or not we're just loser nominees or whether we win Best Sports Business Podcast, Best Baseball Podcast. Thank you, keep spreading the word about this podcast. My first week doing the show, Coca and Debo sat me down at CBS and said, make sure you promote The best way is word of mouth. The best way to grow your show, because we had like two listeners. The first show, I used to think it was just my mother, and then someone reached out to me, Matt, on uh, davidsampsonpodcast.com and said, I listened the first day. So that means there were two people listening, fantastic. But the best way to get the show bigger is to tell people to tell other people about it. Word of mouth. So please help me in that regard. So with two weeks left until Pitchers and Catchers, We got some interesting baseball things to cover and one of them was asked by you. You know what I want. (laughs) I wanna talk to Samson. So you wanna talk to Samson. Oh, I forgot the review. Sorry, Coca. Should we go back to the review? All right, let's go back to the review. That's the order, that makes me comfortable. Do you know why? Because on my rundown, what I want to talk about in the, so you want to talk to Samson, is about the Oakland A's and there's something so awesome going on, but I'm going to, I'm going to do the review because that's what people expect after the break. So we just got back from break. Welcome back to nothing personal. I watched a documentary called the greatest night in pop on Netflix. I don't care how old you are. You can be 20 years old listening to this. You can be 50 years old listening to this. You can be coca's grandpa listening to this. We are the world. We are the children. Do you remember that? There's a song called We Are the World. It was USA for Africa. I'd like to tell you that back in the 80s, there was famine in Ethiopia, and that's been taken care of. Not. There was a time when celebrities, instead of using their platforms, there was no Twitter or anything like that, instead of using it to be ultra political and figure out, are you on the left? Are you on the right? Who do you love? Who do you hate? They would try to figure out ways to raise money for charities. They would try to draw attention. Not gonna play in Sun City. God, wouldn't it be cool if I could sing? Sun City, not gonna play in Sun City. if you don't know what that is, then I can't help you, but let's just help you. Apartheid. So when you get Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie, Quincy Jones, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, Kim Carnes, James Ingram, not Waylon Jennings, Billy Joel, Bruce frickin Springsteen, Kenny Rogers, Islands in the stream. That is, you put all those people in a room, what's the only time that you can get everyone in the music industry in the same room? Same city, either the night of the Grammys or the night of the American Music Awards. Never even thought of that. What's the best time to get a selfie with a million stars? The night of the Oscars. Lionel Richie and Quincy Jones got together with Stevie Wonder and they said, we're gonna do a song and then we're gonna get everyone in the same studio. We're not gonna tell anyone where it is till the last minute. Then we're going to get everyone to come, including Sheila E. and the Glamorous Life, and we're going to record a song. It's going to be a huge hit, and then we're going to make a documentary 30 years later to show how it all got made. And the way this sausage got made is CAF. And I don't just mean the Challenged Athletes Foundation, which as you know, is one of the great charities out there. Shout out to you, Jeffrey Esikow and Sarah Reinertsen and all, Christine, all the great people at Challenged Athletes Foundation, celebrating their 30th year and helping people who are physically disabled and have lost limbs, get limbs, get wheelchairs and be able to participate in athletics. The way you do it is you get them all in the same room and then you record. This documentary is exactly about that. And if you haven't heard of any of the people who are on We Are The World, no matter your age, you literally live on a desert island with the others. Go check out The Greatest Night and Pop. Either you will feel nostalgia to the point of a warm blanket washing over you with the hair on the back of your wax neck sticking out straight. Or you will say, God, they look weird. Either way, you will be touched, you will learn something. What else could you want in a Netflix documentary? It's called The Greatest Night in Pop. So So You Wanna Talk to Samson is from a movie called Half Baked. I'm not gonna make you play the music again. I don't wanna take the time. We only have 17 minutes left. Half Baked, character named Samson. Get into my Twitter, David P. Samson, hit follow and ask a question. David, as the media expert, let me stop there. I am not a media expert but that is a good way to get your question on the show. It's even better than, hello, David. David, as the handsome devil that you are at 65 inches and 134 pounds. No, I'm just kidding. All right, that's not what the question was. David, as the media expert on the A's relocation to Las Vegas, I'm not really that. I do have a position that I'm not going to change. Do you believe that they will raise payroll as they said they would in Ken Rosenthal's article? Well, thank you for asking because you give me a chance to pump something that I have no commercial benefit. I get paid zero by The Athletic, literally zero. As a matter of fact, their group of podcasts compete with mine. And yes, we kick their arse, thanks to you all. They actually have all their podcasts, all like their baseball podcasts count as one. Anyway, I digress. They're amazing podcasts. You should listen to Starkville. Listen to Fair Territory. Ken Rosenthal, read his articles, read their articles on The Athletic. It's cheap and it is really good journalism. Ken Rosenthal wrote an entire article about the Oakland A's saying, show me, don't tell me. I used to really not like it when members of the media, including Ken Rosenthal, who now is a friend, who when I was in the game was not. And the reason he was not is that he had sources within an organization, which I now respect him for, but back then I was always trying to find him, like playing whack-a-mole. Why do you know about a deal before we do? I mean, that never happened, but before we wanted anyone else to know. In addition to having sources that make him the best baseball reporter out there, and yes, the best baseball reporter out there. Sorry, Jeff, you know it's true. Rosenthal has a thing about owners not spending money, which was a thing with me because he thought our owner was amongst them. And I tried to explain what the finances were and why things are the way they are. Healthy dose of skepticism on his behalf, as it relates to many teams, most recently the Oakland A's. Strangely enough, Dave Cavill, the president of the A's and John Fisher, the owner of the A's, are on a relocation tour. The relocation tour is where to play in the interim period when their lease at Oakland Coliseum runs out, which is at the end of 24, and their new stadium in Vegas can open till 28. Now, all the people out there who assume that I'm wrong and they're right that the A's are moving to Vegas for sure are pointing out a letter that came from Bally's, the news that came out that the Tropicana is being demolished, the A's are moving to Vegas, horse hockey. The Tropicana being demolished has nothing to do with the A's moving to Vegas. The Tropicana was being demolished anyway. It is cheaper. It's like a tear down when you buy a house and you're like, should we renovate or get a new one? Like what the White Sox are doing. You get a new one. They need a new hotel on that property. They're not revamping the TROP. By the way, TROP, first hotel I ever went to in Vegas when I turned 21 with my grandfather and father. That's what we did as the Samson family. Turn 21, go to Vegas. Let's start the debauchery right now. Unfortunately, the type of debauchery had dice in it and cards, not garters. But either way, debauchery is debauchery. The Tropicana was being demolished either way. So when the employees of the Tropicana are written a letter by Bally saying it's being demolished, the Oakland A's say, could you please just put in that letter just for us that we're doing this so we can do a stadium? So then the whole media, everyone will believe that we're really moving to Vegas. It is absolute horse hockey available on davidsampsonpodcast.com. Dave Cavill doesn't even talk to anybody in Vegas anymore because he's over to stay. John Fisher's being the mouthpiece, not doing great. We've gone through that, but we did get Cavill to do an interview. He did tell Ken Rosenthal the greatest line, not the greatest line, but a pretty good line. Pretty, pretty good. We expect to have a competitive payroll that is going to enable us to have the resources necessary to field a competitive team year in and year out. Hold on, let me check my notes. Let me just quickly check what everybody says. Hold on page two, when you're trying to get stadium financing or when you fire under stadium financing, firing general manager, firing manager, or cutting payroll trading player statement two reads, we are trying to field the competitive team year in and year out. All right. Let me go back to my interview. We expect to have a competitive payroll. That's going to enable us to have the resources necessary to field a competitive team year in and year out. Cavill said, we think that's necessary for the Vegas market. <laughs> You're right. It's only necessary for the Vegas market, not necessary in Oakland, not necessary in New York, not necessary in Boston. It's just Vegas. I think it would have been better to say, Hey, that's what all teams aspire to do, but by the way, only 15 out of 30 teams finish above 500 generally, and only one team ends up winning the World Series. Of course, we all strive to win, but the smartest teams know when they can win and when they can't. What we want is the ability to build and then add when we're ready to win. To do that, we want to have a better chance at more revenue. To do that, we need people to pay more money to do that. We need to get more money from people therefore we need more opportunities and options so we need a stadium i always like the honest approach it's better how about just saying so so what does it all mean do i believe that they're going to raise payroll as they said they would what he's claiming is that in this interim period they want to raise payroll because they want to build to a crescendo so you try to win in your first year in the new stadium in 28. Tried it, ended up signing free agents to add to a team that we thought could win from 2011, signed a bunch of free agents, had a terrible 2012, overextended, traded them all away. The rest is history. Everybody always tries to do that. Here's the thing. New stadiums are not the panacea they used to be. New stadiums do not guarantee bumps in attendance the way they did when Cleveland or or Pittsburgh or even San Francisco, when they opened new stadiums, they had their attendance turn around and they had periods of real sustained winning. Well, at least Cleveland did and uh, San Francisco. It turns out what markets really want now, new stadium or not, doesn't matter. They actually just want teams which are competitive that there is the conundrum the problem is there is no longer that need for the pre-new stadium opening runway where you build 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 and then hit that crescendo hit the end of the rebuild and time it perfectly what we've learned over the past two decades is that timing a rebuild is super hard that's why teams always say oh we're ahead of plan oh we're behind plan my view has changed here's the plan. When your team's good, that's the plan. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they're not rebuilding anymore. They won. Their plan now is to add if they can. When you make the playoffs, you say, all right, that's it. The Marlins made the playoffs. Let's add. But then you get to say, wait a minute. I looked at the way the Marlins won. So many one run games. We're losing so much money. Let's not say this is our moment of winning and let's take a few steps backwards. So do I think that they're gonna build in this interim plan, which they don't even have an interim plan? I absolutely do not. Do I think they'll have a payroll of 170 million in 2028, first year in a new stadium? I absolutely do not. Do I think that 170 will be a competitive payroll in 2028? I absolutely do not. 170 will be well below the median in 2028. What is required of a team is a great farm system that produces a pipeline where you have young players overperforming their contracts sprinkled in with really good veteran long-term contracts. That's the formula required if you're not in the top 3 in payroll. And even being in the top 3 at payroll, you could still end up like the Padres or Yankees or Mets from last year and not make the playoffs. The other reason why I don't believe they will be raising payroll as they head into the new stadium is we have still not seen word one about the financing of the ballpark, the operation of the ballpark, how all this is going to work with ballies, meaning they have no projections. They have no idea what money is going to be required and when they don't know at what rate they're going to borrow the money. So they don't know what their annual interest payments are. They have no way to put together a plan that enables them to spend money in this interim period. They've gotta keep their powder dry. They've gotta keep cash on hand and credit availability in order to put that into the new ballpark, not into interim payrolls. So do I believe they will raise payroll as they said they would in Ken Rosenthal's article? Well, as the media expert on the A's relocation, I say, No chance toilet pants. I don't know how to segue that into this next topic. So I'm just going to do it. How dare you? If you're listening to this show and you are or you know the person who stole Jackie Robinson's statue out of a park in Wichita. How dare you? I'm not standing on my high horse, I'm not preaching. I'm using my microphone, I'm using my platform as you all have your platform to use to ask a very simple question. The backstory is a statue of Jackie Robinson was stolen from a public park in Wichita. They cut it off at the ankles and walked away with it. People are up in arms. There's a reward for its safe return, like it's a dog or a cat. That statue is not coming back. It will not be returned. The people who stole it, stole it for nefarious reasons that don't include the resale of the statue as is, melt it and sell it for parts. Is there racism involved? When you steal a Picasso or a Van Gogh There's several reasons why Thomas Crown would do that, not the least of which is to bed Rene Russo, not such a bad reason. The reason they do it is one, they either wanna sell it overseas, two, they wanna live with it, three, they're addicted to the high that comes not from the needle, but from the taking. When you steal a statue of Jackie Robinson None of those reasons exist. You don't live with it. You can't, you can't resell it overseas. It's not, there's no market for it, none at all. Melting it for its materials. Give me a break. I'm just curious who does that? Just the other day, someone threw, I think it was pumpkin soup on the glass, protecting the Mona Lisa. I've covered this on the show before because it's happened before. For all of the people on the left who believe that drawing attention to climate change by me gluing myself to center court, that's gonna make a difference. I'm gonna chain myself to this bridge and slow down traffic. That'll stop fossil fuels. I'm gonna stop cow farts by throwing soup on a painting. Really? That's the best you got? And throwing and defacing art, though, when it's protected, you're not defacing it. You're just being an idiot. Stealing art, inexcusable. Stealing anything. Just go earn it. Get a job. All the people who earn money illegally. That is sort of me being on my high horse, I guess. I make more money dealing drugs than I could working at Walgreens. All right, but you also run the risk of losing your freedom. No, I want that. That's fine. I get three square. Stealing the Jackie Robinson statue. What do you think that is? That's your way of showing how great the white race is. how bad it is that Jackie Robinson played in Major League Baseball, what he represents. Jackie Robinson should not represent color to anybody. He should represent values. Jackie Robinson's core values were not based on his color. They were based on his heart, his constitution. He embodied greatness off the field and on. If you have the statue of Jackie Robinson, or if you stole it, what is it you have? What is your problem? Are you going to change the world? Are you Are going to make it one race? Going full Aryan nation? How about that? I am angry about all of the people who believe that no one can look different or be different than they are. And it's happening everywhere, not just based on color, based on religion. I don't get it. Maybe my word of the day instead of tweak should have been live and let live. Maybe I should make that my word of the day every day. Maybe one person will adapt that and adopt it, not adapt it, tweak it, adopt it. I don't want it tweaked or adapted, I want it adopted. Maybe one person will adopt that starting today. Tolerance, tolerance. By the way, the amount of the reward for the Jackie Robinson sculpture, like 1500 bucks or 2500 bucks, that's really gonna incentivize a racist from That'll change them. I want the $2,500. Or is that the resale value? Is that the value of the parts? Do you think that the people who stole the Jackie Robinson statue are doing math and figuring out the best way to capitalize and monetize it? Do you actually think that the people who stole it are watching the show? Because if they are, then they're making it just about business. This was not about business. Stealing the Jackie Robinson statue out of a public park in Wichita, that was downright personal.